0: Hello, and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, it is the first week in Advent, and Pastor David takes a look at God's promises of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's listen. So recently, I read of a Native American practice that I found really interesting. So in preparation for a boy's 13th birthday, uh, that boy would be trained in, in hunting and fishing, and being able to live in the forest. And then on the boy's 13th birthday, they would blindfold him. They would take him deep out into the forest to a part of the woods he'd never been to before. And when it was pitch black, they would take off the blindfold and say, okay, we're going to leave you now. And you're going to stay alone in the forest all night. And reports, stories from this time, are that the 13-year-old boys were terrified This was the first time in their life that they spent the night alone somewhere outside where their family system was. Can you imagine every snap of a twig, every rustling in the bushes must have sounded like a predator coming to get them. And it wasn't until the sun finally started dawning that they could look around and and see the trees, see the flowers, and go, okay, I made it through the night. I didn't sleep a wink, but I made it and I'm safe. And as that sun rose, what they would see is the boy's father standing about 10 feet away, armed with a bow and arrow that was there with the boy all throughout the night. I think that's so neat because it allows the boy to face his fears, but still in a safe environment of the father watching over him. Really, I, I think that's how it is with us too when we are afraid. Because when we are afraid, God is still with us. God is with us all the time. God is with us right here, right now. But like the boy, so often we don't see God. We don't remember that God is here or that God is with us even in our fear. But the image, of God being with us the whole time, even in times of worry or fear, that's gonna take center stage in our story today. And so what I want you to notice in our story is the ways that fear manifests itself in people's lives and how it's different for those who remember that God is there and those who do not. Because you're gonna see both things in our story this morning, okay. Here's the context. Ahaz is the king of Judah. So this is coming from the Old Testament. And King Ahaz receives very troubling news. Two of the surrounding countries around Judah have allied themselves against them and are planning to attack Judah. So it's right after this news was given that our story takes place. We pick it up in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz, the king, and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Yes, King Ahaz and his people feel shaken by the news that they just heard. Don't you love the poetic imagery that the author uses? I mean, how does it feel when you're really shaken up about something? probably feels like you're a tree in the forest and the wind is just whipping through. You can almost hear the leaves rustling, can't you? Yes, our bodies have physical responses to fear or to worry, or to anxiety sometimes. There is a, a strong mind-body connection. So when our minds are afraid, our bodies respond. I'm sure you've experienced that before. And that's what King Ahaz is experiencing right now. He hears the news that these two other countries, they've allied themselves and they're going to be attacking. And he is physically shaking with fear. Well, God sees this scene playing out, and God sends a prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Remember, the prophets were those who spoke for God. So it is as if Isaiah is delivering God's very message to a very nervous king. We're told in the next verse, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear-Jeshub, to meet Ahaz, at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool, on the road to the launderer's field. All right, those are pretty specific instructions, aren't they? I mean, why is King Ahaz near the end of the aqueduct system in Jerusalem? Well, it wasn't until years later that Jerusalem had a source of reliable water from within its walls. And so the king is most likely surveying the system, looking at the aqueducts to determine how long would they have if a siege came against their city. How long would they have of fresh water? I mean, he's probably anticipating that the two countries, Aram and Ephraim, are going to surround Jerusalem. And when they surround Jerusalem, they are going to cut off all food, They're going to cut off all water, and so how long will the aqueduct system hold? A couple of days? A couple of weeks? What he knows for sure is that it has an end point. It's not going to last forever, and so King Ahaz is most likely not in good headspace when Isaiah comes with a message from God. We already know he feels shaken, but now we know why. So, My question is, what could Isaiah possibly say that would make this situation any better? Here's what happens next. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger, of Rezin and Aram and the son of Ramalia. Do you remember that slogan that was making the rounds a couple of years ago on on t-shirts or internet memes? It would say, keep calm and. And then it would have something kind of ridiculous after that. I've got a couple favorites to remind you. Like for the next time you're going to buy a teacher gift, Uh, maybe even this Christmas, it's just keep calm and pretend it's on the lesson plan. Or During the pandemic, the CDC came out with one. Keep calm and wash your hands. That's that's a good one. Or really my personal favorite that I still believe in today. Just keep calm and go back to bed. Just go back to sleep. Everything will be better once you wake back up from that nap or whatever sleep you need. Well, apparently, God is the first to give this advice. Because God sees what's happening with Ahaz and says, keep calm. Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. That's a lot to ask of Ahaz, don't you think? I mean, he's got two countries that with their combined strength will be able to conquer his country. And he knows that they only have mere days or weeks of supplies to survive. So keep calm? Yes. Yes, and God makes this point abundantly clear by calling the other two countries nothing but smoldering stubs of firewood. The fire's gone out, and all that remains is a wisp of smoke. But, but God is still realistic at the situation that he has, Ahaz is facing. So Isaiah goes on to say this, Yes, Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. So the plan is to tear the country apart, to remove Ahaz as king and replace him with the son of Tabeel. Now, what do you do with a king that you've just removed? Well, you don't often allow that king to survive, do you? So what lies in front of Ahaz is the possibility of total destruction. But stay calm and do not be afraid. From a merely human point of view, that is bad advice. Ahaz should not be calm right now. He should be afraid very afraid. I mean, no wonder he is shaking like the trees. His situation is dire. But what Isaiah wants to teach him and us is that we must not only approach life from a human point of view. We cannot live with God put on the sidelines. No, God is a real present force in our world. And to make sure That Ahaz remembers this. Here's what Isaiah says next. He says, yet, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I don't know if there's a more powerful word in this passage than yet. Because he recognizes the situation. He says, sure, it's dire. Everything that you're scared of is true. This whole list of fears and worries in your life, yes, I'm affirming that. Those are things to be scared of yet. Yet God has not had a chance to speak yet. God has not had a chance to move off of the sidelines and declare to you what is actually going to happen. I mean, how often do we live life responding only to our fears and worries without ever waiting for the yet? Waiting for what God has to say to speak into the situation. Yet this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. And the head of Damascus is only Resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. And then I think the, the climax here is if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. God knows the future, and God declares that this attack that he's so worried about will not take place. God declares that Ahaz's enemies will not be alive within a generation. And so this thing that is keeping him up at night in the present— is going to be gone in the future. So the question that we've arrived to in this story is who is Ahaz going to believe? Will he believe God and God's prediction of the future? Or will he believe his own eyes that are telling him he's about to be attacked? Will he believe his own body that is responding, it is shaking in the face of what he's about to see. When you've been in a situation that is so stressful your body is responding to it, it is very hard to trust in the presence of an invisible God, isn't it? And that's the situation that Ahaz finds himself in. And that's why I think that last sentence summarizes our situation so much well. Isaiah says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. I think that's a challenge for King Ahaz, but it's a challenge for us as well, isn't it? What challenge in your life right now requires you to stand firm in your faith? I mean, notice the contrast here. Ahaz is shaking isaiah asks him to stand firm in the face of of problems of obstacles of of things that are are too big in your life where are you being asked to stand firm because i believe it is in the greatest moments of hardship that we are asked to stand up for our faith i mean faith is easy to talk about when everything is going well But faith becomes real when it is put to the test by life. Interestingly enough, King Ahaz does not respond. He stays quiet. And so Isaiah continues to speak. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Okay, on the surface, that seems pretty noble, doesn't it? That the king doesn't want to ask for a sign because the king doesn't want to put God to the test. But if only that was true. Because if you were to read on in the subsequent chapters of Isaiah, and I encourage you to do so today, it's a really fascinating story. But if you were to read on, what you would find out is that the king has already made his decision. The king has decided, because of fear of the other two enemies allying themselves against him, that he's going to ally himself with an even bigger enemy. He allies himself with the country of Assyria. And to some extent, it works. If you read on, you realize that those two other countries see the new alliance and say, okay, we're not going to touch that. And they decide not to attack. But what happens instead is Assyria says, oh, we can just now double-cross you. And they decide to attack. And they depose the king. And they end up taking over the country of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. And so with that context in mind, with King Ahaz already having made his decision he's really trying to save face in front of the prophet Isaiah. He's already decided that is not going to stand firm in his faith. But instead, he's acted upon fear, and he's guaranteed a worse outcome. But Isaiah knows this. And Isaiah decides to give him a sign anyway, even if he's not going to ask. And so our concluding scripture is, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Yes, the sign To prove to the king that God is with them and has been with them the whole time is a child. A child to be born of a virgin. And the child is to be given a name, which is Emmanuel. And that name means God is with us. Now that is what King Ahaz was supposed to remember, that God was with him. And yet all he could see were the fears in his life. It's like that Native American story where he was unaware that the Father was standing there all night in protection. He was unaware that God was with him. All he could see was what he was scared of. Yet Isaiah reminds him and us, in the midst of life difficulties, that God is here. That God is with us. Emmanuel. Now I wonder, do you recognize that sign? I bet you do. I bet you do, because... Roughly 745 years later, after this story, a child was born, born of the Virgin Mary. And an angel appeared to Mary's soon-to-be husband, Joseph, as we heard earlier. And he, Joseph, was given the very same message that King Ahaz was generations before, the message, do not be afraid. Yes, do not be afraid. Even though all that Joseph could see, his problems were that his fiance was pregnant and he was thinking he had to leave her. He assumed the worst, but God asked him to stand firm in his faith and to believe that that child was a part of a greater plan, that that child was given by the Holy Spirit. Yes, the same choice to trust in God, and to trust that God is present, that was in front of Ahaz, is now in front of Joseph. And I think that's why Matthew, the author uh, author of the story, why he shines a spotlight on the significance of this. So this comes from the New Testament now, the Gospel of Matthew, when Matthew says, all this, meaning the story of of Jesus' birth, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And then Matthew adds in parentheses, which means God is with us. So the promise that God made generations before is fulfilled. A child has been born. Jesus, Has come into the world, Emmanuel. This is why we celebrate the season of Advent, because we are once again declaring, in the midst of all that happens in life, that God truly is with us. And when God is with us, we can keep calm. We do not have to be afraid. Now, when God is with us, we don't have to lose heart. When God is with us, we can stand firm in our faith if we are going to stand at all. Yes, God chose to take on human flesh. God chose to become human just like one of us. God didn't have to do this. God didn't have to come to earth. I mean, in no other religion in the world would they fathom a God who would choose to lower itself and become like one of its creation. This is unheard of. But this is the story of Christianity. So in light of this, we too have a choice to make. How will we respond to this news? Will we respond like the king from centuries before? King Ahaz. Will we allow our fears to overshadow the presence of God? Will we trust in what we can see over and above what our faith leads us to believe? Or will we respond like Joseph, where Joseph believed God's message to him, and Joseph acted on that belief and took Mary as his wife? Yes, Joseph stood firm in his faith in that moment that his faith required the most of him. And so as you approach this Advent season, no matter what is happening. In your life, we are given this same choice. We can stand firm in our faith if we are to stand at all. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church podcast. Have a great week.